It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give him a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. And uh, make sure you uh, visit Sal's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn. What do you say? Yeah, I say the Holiday Inn. All of the Holiday Inn properties, if you're going to be traveling anywhere in the U.S., make sure you stay at a Holiday Inn property and... I can even save you some money. That's right. We can get you a Billy C. discount. Just call toll-free 844-603-0364. Or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner, which is right on the right-hand side. And finally, today's show, she's being brought to you in a part of pie. My book, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting my man Tom Molino's story told. Um, a little, uh, couple of things. Uh, today's show... Uh, is uh, going to be a little shorter than normal. Um, we got uh, some things going on, but don't worry. We'll be uh, uh, back uh, uh, to our normal uh, times tomorrow. Uh, we launched a new chat up on BillyCBoxing.com, so bear with us with our, our growing pains. We're trying to uh, eliminate uh, all the idiots, but uh, uh, fear not. There are plenty uh, of them around, so we'll uh, keep you posted on that. Um, I want to talk about all of the uh, uh, fights from this weekend, we had uh, some decent ones. Um, and also, we're going to introduce a new segment today. Uh, I got a new segment, and basically, it's called the Heavyweight Roundup. You know, I, I, here's the deal. The heavyweight division is doing better than it has been for quite some time right now. And I just figured, you know, a, a lot of times we'll be talking about... Uh, you know, a fighter, a heavyweight, all of a sudden, oh, he's got this mandatory, and we're looking at every, each other and saying, who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? Well, what I'm going to do from now on, on Mondays, I'm going to do a heavyweight roundup. All the heavyweight fights that took place around the globe, I will give you the results and, obviously, the winners so we can start to become uh, familiar uh, with, these, uh, with these names. So uh, uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but first... Um, the uh, uh, bottom line is, uh, let's start with the fight results. Uh, Adrian Broner and Jesse Vargas treated us to a very entertaining fight, at least in my opinion, uh, on Saturday night. Um, however, this was such a WWE format. I, I just, I was shocked at the at the back and forth at the end. I mean, you might as well start... You might as well start putting the WWE banner. Showtime and every single event is becoming like this. Um, at the end of the day, Adrian Broner and uh, Jesse Vargas uh, uh, fought to a 12-round uh, draw, majority draw. And uh, I-, I tell you the truth, after the sixth round, I said to myself, 
I said, Bill, because I don't say Billy C when I talk to myself. I said, Bill, this fight is going to end in a draw. And it did. Uh, one judge had it 115-113 for Adrian Broner, while the other two had it 114-114. I thought it was an entertaining fight. Uh, I thought Charlie Fitch... Uh, did a great job uh, refereeing. I think he's one of the best referees out there today. Um, Adrian Broner is now 33 wins, 3 losses, and a draw with 24 wins coming by knockout. Jesse Vargas, 28 wins, 2 losses, and 2 draws. Um, the bottom line with this fight, Jesse Vargas won the first half. Adrian Broner won the second half. End result, a draw. You know, um, I, I, watching this fight... You say to yourself, you know, what are the judges watching? Are they scoring for the, um, you know, the 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 heart, the 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 solidness of a punch, the power behind a punch, or are they scoring for total uh, punches landed? Uh, who knows? Joining me now uh, with his thoughts on the fight, Sal Rocky Senecola. What'd you think of the fight, Sal? Well, you made all good points of what are they scoring it on. Those are three different facets that they could look and utilize in their scoring. I like the fight. It was an entertaining fight. I did have Vargas uh, winning the fight by a point, but, uh, you know, it was close enough, certainly, uh, as you first uh, described. Yeah, Vargas definitely had the uh, first half of the fight, and Broner came back strong in the second half of the fight, but I did give uh, Vargas a round or so in that uh, second half. But anyway, it was a good, entertaining fight. And I could definitely see the the uh, uh, judges scoring it a draw. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with the first first judge, but then again, you know, it wasn't that close of a fight, so it was uh, very interesting. Um, what, what did you? So you thought you agree with the draw? No, I, I I thought Vargas won. I thought Vargas won by one one point. By one point? It, well, maybe. Well, let's see. I got him by two. Two points. I had Vargas winning. Yes, I gave uh, I gave the first round a draw, and it was a, like more of a feeling out. Let's get to know each other again uh, out there. And uh, and uh, but I think that uh, I had Vargas at one sixteen, one fourteen. Um, some other fights on that car. I you know I, as far as this fight, just touch. On, I you know I thought Broner looked good. I, I thought Broner looked good. He's got uh, hand speed. His accuracy, you see, this is the difference between a fighter that is accurate with his punches and a fighter who's not. And I think, you know, because Adrian Broner did not tire. Uh, credit no, to him, he didn't. Do you think it's because he was able to, when he threw his punch, because he he clearly threw less than uh, less punches. Um, you know, Vargas threw 839 uh, punches, uh, according to the uh, subjective punch stat, and Adrian Broner threw uh, around uh, uh, 539. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Vargas threw 300 more. But the accuracy of Broner uh, had him connect um, with, uh, with the harder, harder shots. Um, how much of a difference do you think this makes in terms of your energy level? I mean, did Vargas tire because he was missing with shots? Hey, he could have, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you do expend energy no matter how you throw a punch. And, uh, I don't say, I don't think he would tire necessarily, but, uh, he definitely, that second half of the fight, he lost a step or two and Broner was coming on. So you had a great argument, uh, with, with, you know, Broner weathering whatever he can take, uh, with the, uh, punches coming at him with the barrage in the first half and then, uh, turning on the second half coming alive and, and uh, having himself back in the fight the way he did, uh, you know, like I said, it was a, it was a good, entertaining fight, and definitely, uh, you know, Broner definitely had uh, some some good hits, a good mark, and good good uh, punches that he delivered in the second half of the fight. But I, I thought Vargas uh, was able to win one or two of those rounds in the second half, anyway. Um, but it was a good fight. It was a good fight, Bill. I definitely could see a rematch. I would like to see a rematch. Yeah, they, they they it seems like they they planned to discuss what they did at the end. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but they kind of whispered. Adrian Broner whispered something in his ear, 
and then they came back at that at the end of the fight like WWE style in each other's face. You know, let's fight right now. Uh, did you catch that? I caught that, and I, I wasn't too too complimentary of uh, Broner's language or his his antics there. But it it was like you just said, a little WWE, and uh, you know, I like when a fighter lets his punches do the talking, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, I thought that he was a little bit. Uh, 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 well, with his mouth and his language, I didn't think it was 100% appropriate, but uh, that's just me, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I definitely would be uh, welcoming a uh, rematch, and I would like to see that. Um, some other fights uh, we'll talk to on the uh, same card, talk about on the same card, um, Jamal Charlo uh, destroyed uh, uh, Cent- Hugo Centeno Jr., yes. Um, I, I can't stand, you know, he, at the end of the fight, he said, uh, you know, he, he, now he's a mandatory for triple G. And at the end of the fight, uh, Charlo said, uh, I've been, uh, this has been an amazing journey for me to get here. I'm a two time world champion. Bring on triple G. I want that fight. I'm 27 and 0 with 21 knockout. Everybody sees it. What more can I say? Everybody has avoided me. And from now on, this is how it's going to be. You see what you get. Um, what is it with, with all of the Al Heyman fighters that say everyone's avoiding them? What is that, like a like a predetermined statement to say after a fight? Who the hell has avoided him? Who's he fought? You know, I, 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 he's had a, an amazing journey of cupcakes. Triple G or any other top middleweight is no Centennial Jr. No disrespect to Hugo. Uh, my main issue... Uh, with the Charlo brothers, is the size. This guy looked like a cruiserweight in there, Sal. Well, again, uh, you know, three things or two things I want to talk about, uh, just touch on, because it's never going to be uh, something I, uh, my little voice here can can make a difference with. But, you know, again, it brings back the same day weigh-ins. I mean, you know, these guys, the, they did not look like middleweights, but uh, both of them were big guys. Uh, but definitely a case where, I would definitely prefer seeing same-day weigh-ins. That morning of the fight, you'll get a more realistic picture of a fighter who represents the weight class they're fighting in, number one. And number two, uh, you know, with these close fights or, or, or so, uh, like a Broner and, and Vargas, uh, you know, the championship rounds, 13, 14, 15. Let's get back to the, the three additional rounds in a title fight. 13th, 14th, and 15th round. Those are the championship rounds. Those are the rounds that usually settle or decide the factor of who, uh, who's going to win that fight with a more more decisive uh, approach. Um, I just, you know, I, the size is is getting uh, getting crazy, really. Uh, you know, um, I, it just, these guys can, can dry out, I guess, better than most. Bill, it was no secret. I mean, that's how we all often made weight, but we did it the day be, uh, day of. I mean, you know, you 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 literally you stop drinking fluids twenty four hours before the weigh in. That means you know your last your last uh, day before the fight. You know, in the afternoon, later that afternoon or so, you stop ingesting or, or swallowing any fluids, and it's drying out. You know, you you sleep and you lose eight, uh, you lose a pound as it is. So when you stop in, ingesting or, uh, or swallowing any fluids, you're gonna, it's gonna be more of a catalyst, and you're gonna wake up two, three pounds lighter. Uh, and and usually that's the difference that you can make on a scale. And then you just replenish yourself. Uh, I used to have a bottle of Gatorade waiting for me uh, after I stepped off the scale. Uh, that was what was available at the at the time. And, but 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 that was no secret. You dried out the night before the fight. If you had trouble making weight, you just just do that process. And and it, but when you look at the process of the day before the weigh-ins, you have more of a time to to replenish or or cut down more weight uh, to get down lower, and then to to build yourself back up. You have an additional twenty-four hours. So you're not doing, you're not really shocking your body or, or doing anything that the, that's going to put additional stress or strain on it in that long period of time. We're going to take uh, a short break here, and I know it's a couple of minutes earlier, but 
we need to do so. So we're going to take a short break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And, uh, yeah, we're experiencing some uh, some little bit of uh, growing pains here uh, with our uh, new chat room. Uh, at least I am. But uh, anyway, um, some other fights uh, from this weekend. Also on that card, um, Javante Davis. We were just talking about the Char- I, There's nothing to say about the Charlo fight. It was just an overmatched fight. And, and I, it just... I can't stand when fighters are able to um, basically be handed a division. Both Charlo brothers, they're big and they look great, but they haven't fought anybody. Centennial Jr. is is a good fighter, but it just didn't seem like they were in the same weight class, Sal. I mean, not even close to me anyway. I didn't notice that big of a difference, Bill. Of course, the fight was that was shorter than I thought it would go, but uh, or be. But uh, I think that uh, you know they both look like big, overblown one sixty pounders. I mean, they both look like they were walking around a little heavier than one sixty. So uh, you know, it is what it is. That's what happens with the, when you have weigh-ins the day before the fight. Um. Also on that card, uh, Javante Davis improved to twenty and zero. Um, well, actually, I think he's 21-0 now, but uh, with 19 knockouts, he knocked out Jesus Cuellar uh, in the third round. Um, you know, this uh, this fight, this kid is good. I, I mean, he's listen, good. He's, he's, good. he's extremely he's fast. He's accurate. Um, he's he he's got a mean streak. I, I love this guy. If he can keep his nose clean, um, this this is going to be a, a great fighter, and I'm using that term right now. Great, you know, uh, it was uh, uh, it was it was fun to watch, man. It was Bill, and you know, he he picked up a new trainer here, and and I think uh, you know it showed reflected in his attitude, uh, confidence, and his his ability. I mean, the guy the guy's dominant. He 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 did a great job. It was a short fight, sure, but uh, I'll tell you what he he. I liked what he said. I liked how he seems to be a little more grounded right now. He knows he uh, is at a cusp in his career where he's going to stay on the right path and and uh, show the world what he can do in the ring. And I I, I applaud him. I think uh, I think he's able to turn around and do what he's got to do to put the foot down to the metal and uh, accelerate his career. I really think he's going to be on a fast track. And this guy, uh, the sky's the limit. He's a, he's going to be a superstar if he if he's kept on track and does the right things. You know, I want to make a point I forgot about. Um, you know, I, I gave the kudos and accolades to Charlie Fitch for doing a great job uh, in the Broner-Vargas uh, fight. And uh, obviously, uh, in, in the Davis fight, ben, Benji Estevides did a, a fine job. But but let me tell you something. That guy, Steve Willis, the face maker, the guy dancing around, that, that that man has no business being a referee. He really doesn't. And let me tell you something. I know it's all about him. All he cares about is himself and trying to be famous. And then the friggin' announcers, oh, he's one of the best. Yeah, yeah, okay. But but let me tell you something. When um, Centeno got knocked out by Charlo, he was laying on the canvas, flat on his back, almost hanging over the ring apron. He was beyond the ropes. More than half of his body was beyond the ropes or close to half his body. And what's that idiot Steve Willis doing? Counting over him. One, two. I mean, here's New York, right? New York is, you're getting a physical in between rounds, for God's sakes. They have 57 (laughs) doctors on the ringside. And Steve Willis is giving him a full 10 count. 
That's when you walk up and you wave off the fight. This kid was making no attempt to try to get up. He was flat on his back and he was out cold. This man, you, you got to look out for the safety of the fighters, Sal. Sometimes it's easy for us to criticize that a, that a referee stopped the fight too soon. Be as it may, too soon is better than too late. What was Steve Wills going to do? Let this guy crawl up? If he could find out where he was, he was already on the other side of the ropes and climb up the rope and let him continue. There was no reason to make the full count, Sal. Well, no, not not at all. I mean, you could clearly see this guy was definitely not uh, coherent and not going to get up. I, I, I noticed that, and boy, I'll tell you what, he, uh, he was out. He was out. And uh, that uh, you didn't have to do a, a whole count, but uh, he could have stopped and just said, hey, it's, it is over. But uh, it, it, hey, it happens, Bill. You know, it happens. Um, and uh, but the safety of the fighter should be at the forefront at all times. I mean, I, listen. That's what they. That's what they say. They say that they care about the uh, the fighters and 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 the well being and the safety of the fighter. Blah blah blah. And uh, you know, all we get is ugats. We got nothing. You know, um, that guy. I, he's terrible. He's terrible. Well, I, I, I can't. I, I just. It, it makes me sick to uh, to see uh, uh, a referee. You know, do that. I, I, I just. You know, I, all he cares about is you know making his faces and getting on TV. That that's that's the sickening part. Well, yeah, I don't like any referee that wants to be uh, the the superstar in the ring and and uh, you know is just doing more than the third man in a, in a sense and. He wants a grandstand and, and uh, showcase himself. No, I don't agree with that. But, you know, in defense, and, you know, that's how I always try to look at things uh, from another perspective, maybe he didn't see that uh, that he was out cold or, or I don't think he was out cold. Sal, was, Sal, wait a minute. Yeah. He couldn't maybe see he it. Just to see if he couldn't see it. Or he was going to make an attempt. He couldn't see. I was see. thinking about that. Sal, saying, Sal, Sal, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Sal. He couldn't yeah. see him. He was leaning right over him. The guy didn't make a move. Well, he didn't he, make a move. You know, he didn't even try. He didn't even. He didn't even. He didn't even twitch. He, I he was. He, he came up with his head a little bit. Come on, okay. come on. That was. Listen. I, if he was laying in the middle of the ring and he was like trying to get up and he was trying to get his equilibrium back, uh, all right, give him the benefit of the doubt. This guy was on the other side of the rope, Sal. He was laying flat. His his uh, chest and head were practically hanging off the apron. And then from his his belly down through his legs was in the ring. You know, and, and, and uh, he's counted over him. I, uh, th that was, uh, there's no way. There's no way he should. If, if, if safety first is your attitude, is if that's the rule that you follow, there's no business counting over a guy who's on the other side of the ropes, flat on his back, making no attempt to get up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, hey, listen, if we want to do it like that, like in the old days, they were able to stand right over him and, and wallop him with another shot. Different story. Then let's do it that way. I, either way, we got to pick one, right? Well, we got to pick something. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh no, I, I, I just really felt that he was looking to see if there was any clarity that was going to come to this guy and that he was going to make an attempt because he looked like he tried to lift his head. And I, I almost thought he was going to try and get up. But, but it, after like four or five, uh, it was evident that this guy was not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it just uh, it just it was weird. But uh, anyway, some other fights uh, that took place. Uh, Carl Frampton. Uh, took care of uh, Nonito Donaire. Um, Donaire aged, uh, I think, in his last fight, but Carl Frampton, the Jackal, improved to 25-1, 14 knockouts, 117-111, um, by the way, all three uh, judges scored that fight. Uh, in uh, Northern Ireland, uh, he picked up the interim WBO title. Uh, Nonito Donaire drops to 38-4. and four. Amir Khan... Took him less than a minute, 39 seconds to be exact, to destroy Phil LaGreco. Amir Khan, 32-4, and four, 20 knockouts now. LaGreco drops to 28-4, and four, uh, says he's back, says he's going to get all the big fights. This fight didn't surprise me one bit. Um, Phil LaGreco was brought in just so Amir Khan could uh, uh, take care of him. 
Um, in a fight that Sal and I both uh, uh, picked correctly in a heavyweight division, which got me thinking, and this is why I started a new um, segment on this show, uh, Heavyweight Roundup, uh, which you'll hear on Mondays. I'm going to give you the results of all the heavyweight fights that took place over the weekend. Uh, but in this particular one, uh, Otto Wallen uh, improved to 20-0 with 13 knockouts when he scored a 12-round unanimous decision over Adrian Granat, who drops to 15-2 uh, and two with uh, 14 knockouts. Tomas Adamak uh, is trying to continue his career, and he did so in the right step, in the right direction, 53-5 and five now when he scored a 7th-round knockout over Joey Abel, who drops to 34-10. and 10. It took place in Poland. Also on that card in the cruiserweight division, Matus Masternak improved to 41-4 and four with 28 knockouts uh, when he beat Yuri Kalinga. This was a substantial win. Masternak hadn't, um, well, I thought his best days were behind him, but uh, Kalinga's a good fighter. Um, he couldn't come out for the seventh round. Uh, this was a, a rematch when uh, Kalinga won the uh, first one, so uh, Masternak uh, back in the mix. Um, another heavyweight fight, uh, Ejit Kabale. Improved to 18-0 with 13 knockouts when he knocked out Miljan uh, Rovacanen, who drops to 12, uh, I'm sorry, 19-2. Also on that card, heavyweight Tom Schwartz uh, won, improved to 21-0 with 13 knockouts when he won a fifth-round disqualification over Sunid Gashi, who had not lost prior to that fight. Uh, he was uh, uh, disqualified for headbutting. Um, I guess uh, I didn't see this one, Sal, but I guess it was... If you're gonna if you're gonna disqualify somebody, that means the referee <laughs> felt that it was intentional, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it was definitely purposeful. So that's what must have been the case. So just like I said, our new uh, segment here, we have uh, a heavyweight roundup. I, I, the whole reason I'm doing this, Sal, is you know the heavyweight division right now is so hot. Everybody's talking about the heavyweight division, but a lot of times we all of a sudden hear this guy's name who uh, appears in somebody's rankings, and we're like, who's this guy? Where did he come from? So I just thought that it would be a good idea for us to just get everybody caught up on the heavyweight division in terms of fight results on Monday morning. So at least at least we kind of subliminally hear about these fighters. What's your thoughts on that for a minute? Give me, give me your, your thoughts. No, I think it's great. I think, you know, we, we definitely, you know, we've always looked at some of the divisions with a little bit more attention than, than others. I mean, you know, you have your core divisions, lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight. And everything else around that has filled in and, and uh, has expanded. Uh, a, the heavyweight division has always been the, the king of the division, a popular div, uh, weight class, the most popular on some levels. And and having the title of the heavyweight champion in the world, you literally feel that, wow, this guy could beat everybody in the face of the planet. Uh, not always the case, but that's the assumption behind the, the heavyweight title belt. Um, and uh, so it does get a lot of its uh, notoriety and attention as being the, the person that could beat everybody on the planet. Uh, I mean, that's the old, old days, the old ways. Uh, so I, yeah, I think it's neat to give the attention. It's a hot division, uh, and surely you know the only fight I really care to see in the division right now is Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's a good good attempt. Let's see what happens with this. I, I like it. Well, uh, without further ado, here's a heavyweight roundup from this past weekend. Um, I'll do uh, Fridays first out of Argentina. Uh, Nahuel Kalusi improved to a six and zero when he won a six round unanimous decision over Pablo Diaz. Pablo Diaz drops to three and five uh, in the Czech Republic. Vasil Dukar uh, improved to five and zero via a uh, first round technical stoppage over Pavel Siska, who drops to six wins, forty nine losses, and a draw. I've heard of uh, Vasil Dukar, so there, there's there's one name that that uh, at least I'm uh, familiar with. On uh, Saturday uh, in Australia, Benjamin Keller improved to uh, eight wins, one loss, and a couple of draws when he won a four-round unanimous decision over Robert Ferguson. Ferguson drops to one and five. Uh, in Sweden, it was uh, a bit of uh, a bunch of heavyweight fights uh, on this card. In Sweden, uh, Alban Pervazjak improved to eight and zero. Oh, 
when he stopped Akil Gravenzarzana in the second round of a scheduled fourth. That's how you say it. In a second round of a scheduled fourth. Yeah. Most of all the letters are silent in that one, but uh, it's uh, ten and seven now. Is is uh, <clears throat> that guy? Um, also on the card. Also on the card. The I, I, no disrespect. I don't know. Don't make me say it again. Um, his uh, also on that card. Uh, Agron uh, Samaki uh, improved to thirteen and zero uh, via a first round knockout over Gregory uh, Tamashaville, who drops to. <laughs> Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Drops to uh, yeah, five and three. Talk about this, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, uh, maybe all these worldwide guys, you know, but uh, yeah, drops to five and three. Um, in uh, on, in the UK, uh, Alex Dickerson, whew, uh, he nice. improved to five and zero oh when he stopped Lee Carter whew, uh, in the first round of a scheduled four. Carter drops to one and four uh, in uh, Liverpool in the UK. Uh, uh, Craig Clover improved to seven and one uh, when he beat uh, uh, Ratu uh, Latinara uh, via a first round stoppage in a scheduled four round fight. Uh, Latinara drops to five and two uh, in Brooklyn at the Kings Theater. Sergi Kuzman improved to uh, uh, a twelve and zero uh, when he knocked out Jeremiah Carpency, who drops to uh, uh, fifteen uh, two and one. Uh, over in the Barclays Center, George Arias improved to 11-0 when he won a uh, decision over Tyrell White. Uh, and Wright drops to a 9-2-2. Two, and, two. and we had a, a fight in Russia yesterday on Sunday. Uh, NVG uh, Romanov improved to 9-0 when he won a uh, uh, stopped uh, Dennis Bakatov, uh, who now drops to 39-13. and 13. Bakatov, a one-time legitimate contender. Uh, now uh, can't even get out of the first round. But uh, that's what happened in the heavyweight division, Sal, this past weekend. So make sure you remember all those names. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see them soon, you know? Oh, yeah. I think they're definitely going to be on the forefront and come back at us again. That's it. Good, hey, li- hey, listen, we're, we're going to take a short we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I got some emails to read. Uh, so uh, don't go anywhere. We will be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, we got some emails to read. You ready for some emails, Sal? I am. Thank you. All right. Here's the first one. This is from Mitch. He says, uh, I effing love this. And he sent me a uh, link, basically an article that was uh, written uh, that Triple G is saying he will, he's willing to be tested for performance enhancing drugs from now until September. And he wants to know if Canelo is. Uh, Mitch says, one of the flaws in VADA and boxing in general is that they announce when they start the testing point. So it allows uh, people to cycle on and off of PEDs. I'm still more concerned with the illegal hand wrapping on fight night, but I'm loving this version of Triple G. He's getting, he's going to get so far into Saul's head, he says, and I can't give him the privilege of calling him Canelo anymore, uh, that... Uh, uh, Canelo might not even be right on fight night. I never thought this, but Triple G is becoming the offensive fighter outside the ring. He has been in the ring for the last seven years. He's given Saul the business, and I don't think it'll stop until he retires. 
Um, basically, Mitch feels that uh, he's starting a, a game of uh, head, you know, a war of head games. And something that he's not characteristic, uh, he hasn't characteristically done. Um, it may be working. What's your thoughts on, on him? Uh, he, I mean, he clearly used the media uh, a lot in this uh, charade than he has uh, in the past. Well, sure. And, and like I said, why not? Because the media not only re reports just the news, but they help stimulate and create it. And, uh, you know, you want the you, you can give as much dis or misinformation as you can information. And uh, who knows? I, I think it's a good way to use it and to see it. And uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, Triple G's uh, usually right on uh, with his, his comments and marks. I don't think he pulls too many punches. And I think... Uh, you know, Canelo, I mean, let's let's face it. I mean, I, I, I talked a lot this past weekend about Canelo Alvarez with a lot of the guys that come in the restaurant. We, we discussed the Triple G thing. We discussed a lot of boxing. And a lot of people, I'll tell you what, not only concur the fact that they saw the same fight you and I did with giving Triple G the victory over Canelo Alvarez, I mean, they were 100% across the board, the guys that I talked to. I've talked to a majority this past weekend. But they also felt that just as it is, it's black and white. They said Canelo is a cheater. They just called it. They said, this is our opinion. This is what we saw. I couldn't believe it. There was not one person that, that I spoke to, and, and they were Canelo fans, like I am too, but that said it's a shame, and it, this is not right, and uh, – Canelo should never be looked at the same way again. That's what they were kind of professing. And I, I said, wow, that's a heck of an opinion, getting the finger on the pulse of the boxing fans and, and media right there. Yeah, well, hey, you got to start somewhere, and I'm glad that he's doing it. We got another email right here. This is, uh, well, good morning, Billy C. and Sal. It's me, Raheem. Raheem, uh, he says, good morning. This weekend was another good one. I enjoyed the Broner-Vargas fight, even though I had Broner winning 115-113. It was a good battle. And Amir Khan, I think, is going to shake things up in 2018. And if Mayweather is able to get in MMA, uh, then 2018 will be real great. I heard on a, box, on a boxing news channel that uh, Trump will pardon Jack Johnson. I think that's great. Even though I'm the only one in my family that voted for him, I did so because of how he uh, negotiates and deals and his time in The Apprentice shows and his leadership ability. Uh, the president negotiated many boxing fights, and I think the Prez would get boxing uh, would get the boxing vote in 2020 if he pardons Johnson. Uh, I just think that a pardon for Johnson would be granted. Um, thanks for the email, Raheem. I, listen, I'm going to get into that because I'm I'm very adamant about. That whole situation with Jack Johnson, um, Senator McCain had uh, incorporated a bill several years ago to pardon Jack Johnson, and it's been laying around dormant. All the previous presidents had an opportunity to pardon Jack Johnson. Very quickly, Jack Johnson was one of the greatest fighters of all time, and they charged him. you, you got to understand that Jack Johnson was a black man living in a 100% white man's world. During that time, we call it the Jim Crow America. Yes, slavery had been abolished, but the, the, uh, the African Americans were treated as second-class citizens. Jack Johnson, what I loved so much about Jack Johnson was that he refused to accept it, even though a lot of uh, uh, black Americans did accept it at that time. They've learned over time that obviously that they were wrong, that there was there should have been no acceptance of being treated as a second class citizen anywhere, let alone this country. But what I loved about Jack Johnson is Jack Johnson was more he, he seemed like he was more um, he had more of a problem that anybody would think of him as a second class citizen based on the color of his skin and a lot of his actions and stuff was a direct result of that. Now, fast forward to the Mann Act. The Mann Act was actually crea created. It was a law that would not permit um, uh, interracial um, uh, people from crossing state lines. In other words, Jack Johnson happened to have been married to a white woman. He, they traveled across state lines, and they were able to charge him with the Mann Act. 
No one did time for the Mann Act wow. uh, except Jack Johnson was uh, charged and then sentenced. And then he went off into exile. And we'll get into the whole story uh, on tomorrow's show. But um, but wow. the bottom line is that he, over since his death and even before that, everyone felt that it was, uh, it was wrong, that he should have never been charged. And they wanted that. Um, serving his time erased from from the record, and uh, the presidents haven't done it. And if Trump does it, I, I mean, not that I want to give him so much extra credit, Sal, but I think that this is a, 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 somebody should have did this a long time ago. I mean, you you you've had how many presidents since that time? I mean, this should have been something that was reversed or done, uh, as you suggested, Bill, a very very long time ago. It's it, it definitely an, an injustice and uh, definitely clearing this up uh, um, and uh, erasing it from Jack Johnson's uh, record, even though he, it, it's not relevant to, to what he accomplished in his life or so. But I think it would be a good thing for any descendants and ancestors that would uh, uh, be proud of. And uh, this this is definitely um, this was this was ne- this was something that never should have happened. And. You know, let's let's uh, do what we can on this end to make sure we get it to the president, see if he could reverse it or erase it or expunge it. And uh, I am des- disappointed because I wasn't too aware of any of this. Uh, but you had other presidents that that should have had this on their table to sign and get rid of. Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, everybody thought that Obama was going to do it since he was such a you know, peace-oriented uh, guy. Why wouldn't he do it? He why? didn't. Was this something I, that wasn't... I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't... Know why. I, I don't be, you know, when, when his office was, was contacted about it, he said that, that we have too many other things to look at uh, rather than go back and, and check out who should be pardoned and who, who shouldn't. And I wasn't... I, I didn't think... I, I thought they handled it in a very generalized term. This This is not a generalized situation in my opinion sal this was jack johnson you know uh, this guy stood for way more than the sport of box it's like it's like how i feel about the guy i wrote my book about you know jack johnson not only was a great fighter but he was teaching the rest of the world things that we didn't know at that time you know about equality etc you got to remember this guy jack johnson lived in a time when they were using the N-word in newspapers. One of the greatest writers of all time in Jack London, okay, wrote on uh, very frequently how James Jeffries had to come out of retirement to save the white race against a guy like Jack Jack. This was published in papers, in newspapers. Now, I know we have— I remember that, Bill. I remember hearing about that. Well, I know that I know that we have freedom of the press here, but I, I I would be shocked today if somebody in a major newspaper published something as racial as what was permitted back in those days. And anyway, the point is that Jack Johnson refused to accept that. And, um, I, you know, hats off to this man. You know, even on the day that he died, he was all pissed off. Even, even he, he was already already an established world champion and had retired and was a you know world renowned and he was on he was on his way back from some fights and uh he, he him and his buddy stopped at a diner to get some food and uh they wouldn't serve him they made him sit at the uh in another section of the restaurant for for where at that time they said colored sit over here white sit over here it was the same thing you know you couldn't drink out of the same water fountains etc and jack johnson got so pissed off that he was being uh, treated like this, that he walked out and was, you know, pedal. He was he, he loved to drive fast in cars anyway, and ultimately uh, was killed in a car accident. But um, yeah, we'll we'll get into that whole story a wow. lot better tomorrow. But uh, wow, um, it's a shame. It's it's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. I I, I boy, I'll tell you, I, I'm glad you're talking about this. I can't believe it. That is that's a big shame. Well, it's it's clearly uh, off of. Uh, 
um, what was planned today. But anyway, we got another uh, email. This is from my man uh, Jeff from uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. He says, hey, Billy, see, I watched Broner against Vargas, and frankly, I felt Vargas used a tremendous game plan. I was texting with my son, and I found out that McCallum was in Vargas's corner. I immediately went back in my memories to what a tremendous body puncher he was. I told my son I wouldn't be surprised if Vargas went to the body a lot more. Tremendous is an understatement. They called him the body snatcher. Um, mm-hmm. He says, this is my question. I felt that Vargas uh, so dominated the early rounds with his aggressiveness and combination of his jab, body shops, and overhand punches. I couldn't believe that Broner, to his credit, was not wilting under this barrage. If Vargas had more power, I believe it may not have made it to the later rounds. The question, do you think Vargas dominated too much early on? Is there such a thing as winning a round too big? I'm not so sure that Broner came on so strong at the end from more effort or because Vargas was slowing down from the volume he had expended. Uh, when I see fighters win rounds with a few hard punches or, or, or by accelerating at the end to steal the round, I sometimes question if a fighter should back off a little when he's dominating a round, certainly not if the opponent is hurt. Uh, I knew the fight was growing closer, but I honestly felt, as Broner's corner did, that he needed a huge 12th uh, round uh, to win the fight. I was amazed at Broner's lack of effort in the 12th. He just refused to press the action as I thought he needed to. I guess the draw was better than Vargas losing, but I sincerely felt that Vargas should have received the victory by a narrow margin. Broner relies on his power too much and has become a lazy fighter in the crucial rounds. I will say this, I'm not a fan of his personality, but his fights do contain moments of excitement throughout. Man, he could take a punch, and he had to be in terrific shape to absorb those body shots. I believe Vargas should definitely stay with McCallum. Against most opponents, this would have been a dominant performance. It was a great game plan. I agree. I thought it was a great game plan. And I also agree that if uh, Jesse Vargas had more power, maybe maybe it would have hurt uh, Broner. I agree with this whole email because Broner, Me too. Uh, for some reason, does not put his foot on the gas. And, and it's, I mean, his corner was, was crying, pleading with him too. And, and the other thing is, is Broner's fights are exciting. Broner, Broner, if you go back and watch his style of fighting as a lightweight, he was, he was, he he was in attack mode and he seems more being safety first. Um, I don't know. What'd you see, Sal? I thought he, you know, that first half of the fight, Vargas, to his credit, was, you know, throwing those body shots, pushing the fight. Uh, I mean, even when they were doing uh, some commentary, his punch output was, I, I don't want to quite say doubled what it normally was, but, it, I mean, it was uh, exceeding his average. And uh, the body attack, I think, was stellar. And to Broner's credit, he weathered that storm. I mean, he really did. And, uh, you know, I think it was a combination to get back to the email that maybe Vargas uh, may have punched and expended a lot of his energy in that first half of the fight, thinking that that body uh, attack would pay off the dividends it normally could and would have in the later rounds of the fight. Maybe he could sustain another level or another round or two with that kind of pressure and pushing. And maybe that would have uh, changed the outcome of the fight. I don't know. I did give uh, 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 Vargas uh, the fight by a very narrow margin, but uh, I cannot disagree either with the draw because I, I do agree that uh, uh, that definitely Broner came back strong in that second half of the fight, and he weathered the storm and he turned it around. So I, I thought it was a good action-packed fight. I definitely would be interested in seeing a rematch, and uh, so we'll see here. But uh, I, th- I think that... Um, I think a lot of those early rounds, Vargas probably uh, uh, thought they would pay dividends later on and he would not have folded or not have that energy level to uh, to worry about. Yeah, this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. You know, um, I wonder when fighters throw a lot of punches and miss, it tires you out. And I think that this might have been a, a, a case, you know, whether you like Broner or not, and his and his, you know, antics are very hard to like. Um, you know, I I mean, you know, he was uh, you know, getting kinda 
uh, you know, racist uh, with his uh, accusations at the end of the fight and, and all of that stuff. Um, I loved what he did to, uh, uh, what's his face, Jim Gray. I can't stand Jim Gray, you know, so anytime somebody uh, questions him. But then he, he did a reaction like he was, he, he almost acted like a kid that really wanted to get some recognition um, when the way at, at, the idiot Gray asked him a question and he, and he looked at him and, 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 and for a minute, Adrian Broner, the guy who thinks he's this showman, got normal and he looked at him and it was genuine and he went, oh, oh, so you thought I won too or something along those lines, you know? <laughs> and, he, and he was like looking for some that. kind of redemption, some kind of, yeah. some kind of agreement because, you know, he's so callous of people disagreeing with him and Jim Gray just was like caught off guard. But, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, they clearly seem to, to be building a rematch. I think there's other opportunities for Adrian Broner, um, you know, in the welterweight division. I, but I would like to see this fight. You know, Jesse Vargas is one of those fighters that's kind of being left out of the mix in a way, Sal. Well, I think, you know, like you, we, we often say, he's a, he's a lunch pail kind of fighter. He comes in, does his work, and uh, he does a good job. Uh, he's consistent on that level. Uh, maybe, maybe it doesn't have the electrifying excitement of, of, uh, some other boxing personalities in the game, but, uh, he's a consistent, uh, um, strong fighter, you know, he does a good job. Uh, you know, you, you can always expect from Jesse Vargas, a, a good attempt, a good fight and a good, uh, output on, on, on what he's going to do to try and win. So, uh, I, I think that goes a, a long way. Um, but, uh. Yeah, like I said, I think I'd like to see this fight again. I'd love to see that 15 rounds. What about you? Oh, I would love fights to to go back to uh, uh, 15 rounds. You know that, you know. But know um, uh, we got one more email. Uh, this one is from my man Johnston. And he says, good morning, my China plates, Billy and Sal. That's like uh, means, you know, buddies, I guess, in, uh, in, in the That's UK. That's great. He says, Team Joshua has until May 6th to negotiate with Team Povetkin, and we, will still ha and we still have not heard anything from Wilder. The good news is Eddie Hearn will be meeting with Shelly Finkel and Al Heyman this Thursday in New York uh, to try to get a deal done. Um. That's good to know. You you're gonna hear it. It's it's not have to. No, we knew we knew through. that he we knew that he was he was gonna be dealing with them yeah. directly. He said he was gonna be dealing with them this week. Um, but what I didn't know was that the actual date was May sixth. That's that's in less than two weeks now, right? I I, I mean, uh, you know, there's only thirty days. I mean, this month is over, you know, and um, uh, May first is a week from tomorrow. So you're talking, yeah, you're talking two weeks. Um, yeah. And this was my point last week about Team Wilder dragging their feet. You know, this what's going to happen is as soon as they have to make a deal with Povetkin, because I'm sure Eddie Hearn does not want this to go to purse bid, but as soon as they have to make a deal with Povetkin, Wilder's going to come out saying that AJ's ducking him. I will bet. What do you want to bet, Sal? I will, that, that's this guy's MO. Your boy. Your boy is is showing us at least they could have come back with a counteroffer to show that there's some interest. Your boy right now, in my opinion, is acting, and this is just based on the actions that or lack of that his team, uh, you know, has not even uh, negotiated. That they don't really want this fight yet. That this fight that it's more. I think that they feel that it's easier for them to promote Wilder if Wilder's crying and complaining that AJ is ducking him. That's the only uh, platform he gets. Other than that, what else is there? Well, I disagree. I, I think this is all part of their strategy. Remember when I said a couple weeks ago that, and I, I, I want to clarify this because we disagreed on this level. I made a comment that, that Deontay Wilder is holding the cards on that level. I don't. I didn't mean that he has all the cards to hold. What I meant to say is, to make this fight happen, Deontay Wilder has to be in agreement. 
and put the name to the to the contract. So what I meant to say, uh, how how I wanted it to come out when I said he's holding the card, he's the valuable piece of the puzzle to solidify this deal. So what I said and what I was thinking was that he's holding strong and being quiet about it. So others on the Wilder side, I mean on on, on the Joshua side, are also realizing that uh, hey, we need this dance partner. He's holding out. So maybe we need to be open to a suggestion that there might be a, some additional funds or monies that uh, that might come into play uh, at the negotiation table. But I knew all along, if these guys were going to sit down and get together, Bill, it's going to happen this Thursday. And like I said, this contract should be signed, sealed, and delivered by the end of this week or early next week before the, the mandatory fifth date is even here. I really feel that's what they're going to do. They're going to they they assume at all time they're going to get together. This is where they're going to meet face to face. They're going to crunch out the deals, crunch out the 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 uh, the different uh, uh, sides of what's going to happen, and they're going to make it happen this week. Okay, I'm um, I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. We are going to be having a different conversation next Monday, or definitely by Tuesday. Maybe we may. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, he says, uh, also, just on the ridiculous rant from Lou DiBella, who labeled Hearn a mother effer and a fool, Eddie Hearn made it clear that the events coordinator has no business getting involved. He's calling Lou DiBella an events coordinator. And I got news for you. That's all Lou DiBella is. Lou DiBella doesn't That's invest it, a penny as a promoter, and he's Al Heyman's puppet right now. And for him to call Eddie Hearn a mother effer and a fool, what kind of a fool is 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 Lou DiBella? Eddie Hearn is 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 doing more for the sport of boxing right now in terms in terms of, and I and I'm only using this as my gauge in terms of you know the 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 fights themselves than anyone else. So I I don't know where DiBella's coming from, but anyway, he says. Uh, 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 Eddie Hearn made it clear that the coordinator uh, uh, has no business getting involved. If I was Lou, I would keep my mouth shut because Hearn is the arch, archbishop of Banterbury. This is uh, Johnston. Uh, he says, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Lou DiBella has got to do with Deontay Wilder and the discussions. He's an events coordinator for Al Heyman. Basically, he's not Deontay Wilder's promoter. This is Eddie Hearn. And let me tell you. He's right, because the only guy promoting Deontay Wilder is Deontay Wilder and Sal Rocky Senecola. But aside from Sal and, and Deontay, nobody else is promoting him. He says, is he involved in negotiations? Absolutely not. And if he continu continues to wear that hat and that silly earring at his age, I will banish him from the sport of boxing. He says, not really. I like Lou DiBella. He keeps trying to get involved, but he doesn't. he's not re a real promoter anymore anymore he doesn't really promote anyone he says these shows that he's doing at the moment he's not adrian broner's promoter he's not charlo's promoter he's not javonta davis's promoter so what's he doing uh that was kind of a i think i think hern was wrong on that one I, mayweather promotions was was the main promoter of of that event i'm pretty sure but anyway he says uh but he's got to be a little bit careful because i might uh, give him some work. I'm coming to America. I got a major announcement soon, and if he's a good boy, I might give him some work. I'm not sure. This is <laughs> this is Eddie Hearn. Um, you know, he is going to make a big announcement. Maybe, Sal, maybe you're right, um, that the big announcement will most certainly be uh, that the fight was signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, we got to look forward to that. You know, I, listen, if, if it's not signed, sealed, and delivered, it's a shame. I mean, what else can you say? Everybody wants it. It seems the fighters want it, although we haven't heard nothing from uh, Team Wilder. But uh, uh, it seems like the fight should be made, and it should be made next. I, I really feel, Bill, as I have all along, this is a natural. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the assuming fans and, and the people on the outside, which are we are considered that group, uh <laughs> We're not privy to what's really happening at the negotiation table. And I think that um, this fight is going to be announced. 
as I suggested also, and as you suggested, this fight's bigger than boxing itself. This fight is boxing itself right now um, because you have the two best or self-proclaimed greatest heavyweights active today in the heavyweight division, and they're willing to dance with each other, and they want to show down so they can have all the bragging rights and all the monies and accolades and, and rematches and everything else. I mean... We said it, and, and, and this is going to be the true fact. These guys, no matter win, lose, or draw, if they have a rematch clause and, and a two-fight deal, there's going to be enough money for everybody involved uh, on these two sides, these two camps, to walk away and, and, and hold their head up and, and, and retire. And, and uh, Even though that's not going to happen, they're going to be continuing on with their path of, of, of fighting. That's fine, but what I'm trying to say is this is big, and these guys will be foolish to not make this fight happen. Both sides, not just Deontay, not just AJ. They would be both foolish if they do not have their strong attempt to make this fight happen. Well, you know what? I hope so. I really do. Uh, like I said, guys, uh, I apologize. Today uh, is a shorter show than normal. We wanted to get the fight results in and stuff like that. Um, but uh, we do have the trivia question. And I want to thank everybody who um, tried to get this one. And I'm going to give, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna give uh, a, a, another really good hint today. Um, but uh, uh, the trivia questions, uh, we're back. And if you're the first one to answer this trivia question correctly, now the way you got to answer it correctly, there are some parameters. Uh, basically, you got to email me. And that's the only way that we're going to listen to your answer because we go by timestamp. So if you email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you will win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. This is the same game that Alice Papella uses uh, for our Blast from the Past segment, which it's, incidentally this Wednesday uh, features. Uh, uh, Memphis uh, Pal Moore, which is a uh, a, uh, a really uh, great uh, uh, fighter, Hall of Famer, uh, and as far as I know, he never fought for a title. But we'll talk about him on Wednesday. So if you're the first one to get this question, answer this question correctly, you'll win the prize. So here's the question: It's a who am I question. Before my twentieth birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Now I'm going to read this question one more time with the hints. <laughs> Before my 20th birthday... I beat four world champions and lost to another one who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? Wow. Here's the hints. I'm giving you, I'm giving you uh, three right now. Number one, this guy is extremely well-known. Number two, he fought in multiple weight divisions. And here's the big one for today. Number three. He fought for the world heavyweight title. Now, I'm not telling you whether he won or not, but he fought for the world heavyweight title. If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Good luck to everybody on that. Um, on this day, in boxing history, April 23rd, in 1907, Mike Twin Sullivan wins a 20-round decision over Honey Melody to win the California World Welterweight title, and that took place in Los Angeles, California, on this day in 1907. On this day in 1988, Simon Brown uh, knocks out uh, Tyrone Trice in the 14th round, uh, to win the vacant IBF World Welterweight title, and that took place in France. Uh, on this day in 1990, Paul Banke knocks out Daniel Saragusa 
in the ninth round to win the WBC World Junior Featherweight title, and that took place in Inglewood, California on this day in 1990. On this day in 1965, Salvatore Brunini wins a 15-round decision over Pon, uh, I'm sorry, Pon Kinpech uh, to uh, win the World Flyweight title to place in Rome. On this day, 1993, Michael Second to None knocks out Crawford Ashley in the sixth round to retain his WBA World Super Midway title, and that took place in Memphis, Tennessee on this day in 1993. And finally, on this day, April 23rd in 2005, Antonio Margarito knocks out Kermit Cintron in the fifth round to retain his WBO World Welterweight title, and that took place at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas on this day in 2005. Hey, man, that concludes our show for today. Um, Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na